0: God, we just love you so much. Thank you uh, for the beautiful. Father, we uh, always are always reminded of is beyond our comprehension, but Father, we embrace it all fervency in our hearts. And I just do it, Father will awaken in us uh, greater, clearer perspectives of where you are in our lives. It's, it's so deep and it's so rich. And I just pray that uh, through our time, each our own personal time in your word and prayer, Father, your spirit will continue to respond uh, affirmation in our hearts uh, to your know, um, that are challenging in our lives and always more and more to you. Father, we thank you for um, our privilege to be in the fellowship of your word and this group, uh, to be committed to uh, this desire to grow closer. I pray for uh, Sam this morning as uh, he shares from his heart and from your word opportunity to uh, be here. he is sent from our group here to give him uh, the right words, but also that focus of growing deeper, um, has significance in this uh, conviction. Give you all thanks and just commit this. Well, I thought I, I would just uh, a little outline. Uh, so I wanted to start with just some sort of open-ended type of questions. And over the course of the weeks ahead, I'm not sure exactly how many weeks I have, or how it goes, but we're going to just go for a little few weeks on this, but I wanted to approach this topic, God's discipline in His in it. and I, I wanted to open it up with just some discussion and reflection from you, a lot of depth of it, but I wanted to share a personal uh, type of uh, exercise in, in response to it. So let's start with this first question that's up here, just to throw it out here, and it's a question to you and to ask yourself is that... Um, Am I, or are you, am I fully prepared to allow God to grip me by his power and do a work in me that is truthy of himself? And this, this is the supporting verse that drives this, um, this question in 1 Thessalonians 5 uh, 23 and 12. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body Blameless at the coming calls you faithful. So, what are some thoughts on that in this question? Question, and what does it draw off out in your thinking? Yeah, you know, again, the God of peace, self, God of peace himself sanctify you. So, there's a arc. I think what your subjection, but there, there has to be this removes this all-in type of intentional for this morning. In other words, oh, so I have to. Uh, my approach to topic, I need tell me a story. <laughs> I need, I need a, I need a passage to be able to draw it from, and that's exactly because I can, I can make uh, the preparation part because what I have witnessed firsthand is the preparation of a saint. Kirk, you know, <laughs> it's, it's beyond. I, I mean, if I have seen it, you, you've read it but I've seen that. So that's a preparation. So there, that's of God. That's of, of himself that's doing that. But yet what we're going to be looking at is part of these things that occur in our lives and yet to occur, right? Whatever those challenges, whether it's a, it's a vocational type of situation with Mark, whether it's an illness, make a near situation, whether it was literally um, the death of, of you know, a loved one, or one of our own. So, God, circumstances are there for us to know Him more and, and to discerning of what God's creative purpose is in it. Those are the challenging things. Marlene? I, don't there, there's a, I, I love that. Thank you. Because there's something I'm going to touch on. Um takes some scriptures, and it's going to be one of our questions uh, well, if we get to it. But it... it, it how do you how do you reconcile in scripture this rest this spiritual peace and rest with the striving and the wrestling and the fighting okay and it i 'll submit that it's not like okay well, let 's see today 's sunday today 's a rest day monday that tomorrow's a fight day it 's a wrestling day then maybe two it 's not in fact it's what we're, the answer is is that it 's interwoven, so how do you Blend those, and what are and so, what it comes down to when you interweave those two is that the object is the other, which is the object of that fighting is God, in other words, of that. But at the same time, I love it when Paul would say, Okay, I I fought. So, to me, that's a reconciled reconciliation of that rest in the fight or the wrestling. So, we'll come to that. Because I think these are uh, the very things that serve as the, I have to call them requisites, to really getting our head wrapped around God's purposes and discipline. I God's are connect. That happened to Mick on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> he reclined. He's full horizontal. About 15 minutes. Went back vertical. And he was engaged <laughs> at that point. He was a little, he was going. So... Practicals. pardon me for that but it okay let's let's uh let's keep that these are just there's not an exact answer and I love it that you're already engaging in it because this is about going deeper right this is what's been been the focus uh, for the past months that we've been in this so what interested. let me can I um, I'm gonna come back to that second question but can I just I want you to I want to read this to you I just put it up here you don't have to uh, it's not something anything else but um, so where did the question come? Not Dave's question. The question was Chambers, was Oswald Chambers, who's a favorite for you and I, right? <laughs> you and I both love um, for his highest. But let me, let me just share this with you because it really hits to a point. It is, it, is, it is very easy to grieve the Spirit of God. Do it by despising the discipline of the Lord or by becoming discouraged when he rebukes. If our experience of being set apart from sin being made holy through the process of sanctification is still very shallow, we tend to mistake the reality of God for something else. When the Spirit of God gives us a sense of warning or restraint, we are apt to say mistakenly, Oh, that must be from the devil. Do not quench the Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, and do not despise him when he says to you, in effect, don't be blind on this point anymore. You are not as... For, along spiritually, thought you were. Until now, I have not been able to reveal this to you, but I am revealing it to you right now. When the Lord disciplines you like that, let Him have His way with you. Remember that. Allow Him to put you into a right-standing relationship with God, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. We begin to pout, become irritated with God, and then say, oh well, I can't help it. I prayed, and things didn't turn out right anyway. I'm simply going to give up on everything. Just think, what would happen if we acted like this in any other area of our lives? Question. Am I fully prepared? Allow God to grip me by his power to do a work in me that is creation is not my idea of what God to do me. It's God's idea of what he wants to do. He has to get me into the state of mind in the spirit in the spirit where I will allow him to sanctify me completely. And to me this was uh, sort of my what I started to be challenged by is I started just sort of digging into this topic because um, there's a shallowness to spiritual perspective on it. And our focus has been going deeper and this should challenge us as we go into this for a very purpose because we all pray to this. The challenges that we go through it is, is to simply, again, recognize it, looking at this, that it is God Himself who does sanctify when was the last time that I prayed for insight into recognize and understand the discipline of the Lord last time? <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father of the son in whom he does. That passage sounds familiar, right? And we're going to be spending. Um, Obviously, a lot of time in Hebrew starting next week, and forward from that. But as you have maybe when you when you verse, it's um, sort of a preparation for really looking at that verse, understanding it. I, I don't want you to focus on the first parts. So I want you to focus t- to the very, very last word, lights. So here's what I want you to think about: as you pray, pray for insight and understanding of the discipline. I want you to. Moment now let's just give me your quick response. Is do you realize that God delights in you, he really likes you, God loves you, and He is pleased for His children? See what happens is is that we focus on the first part and we want to dive into fact that you know the first part of the warning. Okay, let's let's dig into it. Let's go, my son. Do not despise the chastening. No, I want you to be prayerfully about this because I believe what it does is it helps us to understand God's greater purpose from that sonship type of relationship, right? at children, maybe no longer. understand. It's a, it's a very application because despite whatever is happening, love that kid. <laughs> so this is the example I'm saying, is, is that allow the Holy Spirit to take you to an camp at that place in that verse that I reverse that and I begin the study next week into that the, the, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, is that I remember God delights in me. So, sons, we just need to look at the situations, the circumstances that we're in. Always not a situation that we would take for... Because look at that, that relationship, father-son relationship, and the discipline is play constantly, in whom he... Have you accepted the mystery of God's providence in the pain of your life? And and we'll qualify that as a mystery. We're going to look at even an example, obviously in Job, if we get there, that just, the fact is, is that there are things that we can read about, but for the moment, th- think about the perspective of these things that happened to these individuals without knowledge. It's a mystery. Those things happen, and... Um, we find ourselves even talking through the very real personal situations that we encounter day to day or week to week, whether that's our own immediate situation or maybe something that is very close to us within the church. Or you start to say, you know, where is God in all of this, and how do we accept this? are you willing to accept this aspect that God is God's providence? It's something you're never fully going to be. Able to. There's a sub, there's a submission part of this or subjection that we have to have, and it's it's of no surprise when we had any of our studies. There needs to be subjection, humility in, a, in submitting to God in order. Always an in order thing, and so I, I hope today that we can at least look at a couple of those things as we go forward. So part of it is. Again, all I can give us is examples. And I think you're hitting on some of the key things that I, I'm going to go fast forward, at Marlene, because I mess up. I'm looking at my, my situation. I continue to mess up. I know what I deserve. Because of that, his willingness to take the wrath of God, that then brings about that that, that was part of a greater purpose of salvation. So it does point us back to this providence of God, how he's working. Go ahead. brought about a conviction, God in that situation, that's a a rejoicing. What, uh, over the next uh, few weeks, this is how I sort of want to attack this thing, (laughs) topic of, uh, just on the first part of it, there's aspects of it. Oh, let me take a break, but there's God's discipline, and then there are the spiritual disciplines in our own, you know, some of the practical things. But I, I... you kill you 't get you can't so you have to really start and so my my two primary areas over the weeks ahead that i 'm going to be looking at is understanding god's loving discipline and so unpacking that into um, a bubble to understand what are what are the dividends, what are the purposes, what is it when it comes from God, what does it look like? Help us to really draw some illusions uh, on things in our own lives and then how do you respond to it? So now this is what. How do we go to it? So there's really two primary sections. Today, I, I just want to just scratch the surface today, and I really want to spend time in two passages that, watching. There's no way I'm going to cover today, but that's okay because I, I, um, I learned by just going through a couple examples. And what I want us to do is to look at two um, illustrations today that will help us to understand that the discipline of the Lord, it's a process. It's a process where God is making us like His Son, Jesus Christ, and therefore making us complete in Him. And I want you to to look at this and understand that ultimately this objective is not going to change. It's going to be the same. But I want us to start with some illustrations. I need examples. Uh, We have bunches of them here. So I wanted to take a couple to start with just spend time in the Word with these, and I want us together to look at, as an introduction to this topic of understanding God's discipline and His greater purpose in it. What are those truths, and, and, and give us a couple of illustrations. And so, for the the sake of our getting our handles on this thing, we're going to look at. We're going to look at two storms, because when you think about um, storm, they're usually not pleasant. Sometimes you make preparations, right, for those storms. Other times they just, they hit you without the opportunities there uh, for the storms. I think of more recently that there's been, uh, there was uh, obviously some tornadoes that ravaged, you know, sort of the north, uh, devastating. In, in, and the tornadoes obviously, um, they're such a, it's a powerful natural disaster. And with it comes, um, and and unfortunately in that situation, there was death and destruction that came with it. So, of course, now you hear all the feedback, right? They're saying at a faulty emergency notification system, people were not properly, on and on and on. So how do you prepare for those things? we're going to find out is that you can't. You can't be prepared for it. But I believe that what God is going to do us through His Word is that we need to build a foundation of standing so that we can be prepared for those storms that are going to come. They are going to come. Okay? And we have to be in the storm. Learn from being in the storm. So that's going to be the application for today. And we need. So let's start with the first storm. Uh, and then I want us to kind of just pick this up. So let's turn in our Bibles back to Jonah. Yeah. Jonah is prophets right next to Obadiah and Jonah, right before Micah. Okay, so let's take a look at this first storm. And uh, a, little, a little, kind of know the background a little bit, right? So we know the story of Jonah's uh, situation, but the storm at sea. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it for their wickedness. Has come up. Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, down to Joppa, and found a ship going to Tarshish, stayed to the fair and went down to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So the first thing we, we know is that Jonah disobeyed God, right? So there is, in this first example, I want us to recognize that there is disobedience um, in, in the example. He used to go to Nineveh, so he finds this ship, but God then interrupts. But the Lord. Verse 4, but the Lord sent a storm. <laughs> he sent down a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken. Okay, so here is this major hurricane type storm, right? So what do we know? God had to discipline Jonah and almost take his life before prophet would confess his sins and surrender to God. And let's look at a couple of verses. So God sends the storm, and you know what's happened now, right? So he's on the boat, and what happens? Merchants, mariners on the boat, what do, they, what do they realize? In fact, he he calls it out himself, doesn't he? He says, uh, by the way, I'm a believer, and this storm is because of me. It makes that statement, right? So I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land... Um, so then, basically, he says, well, "Sorry." And he said to them, "Hey, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Where, uh, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is become... What was he willing to do? I want you to—that was not God's plan, okay? But wrongly, that was a solution. He, there there was—in other words, he didn't know what God was going to do next, did he? No. We had no. We have no idea of what's going to happen next. But I wanted you to, to catch that in here, is that in that particular example there, is that he was willing to let's say, almost take his life. His perspective obviously didn't happen. So it goes on. So, so they picked up Jonah in verse 15, and they threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging, and feared the Lord, exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took bows. What's interesting is is that there was an amazement from there and to a, there was a worship type of response. Interesting, right? Okay. And so now what it happens? in verse seventeen, now the Lord had appear had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days. So I wanted you to catch that is that the Lord had what? Prepared. He had prepared a fish, so Jonah had to be in the storm for this fish thing to work, <laughs> right? He had to be thrown overboard, so again, do you see the sovereignty of God? where it had to be in the storm for it to work? This was in a response to disobedience, despite that, God had a greater plan, He started to now see and you, Michael shared this the other day, you know here he is three day, three days. In the belly of a fish, you know, what's going on? What are you thinking? What are you doing? We see Jonah's heart in chapter 2, don't we? recognizes in his crying out. And yet, I like in verse 4, he says, Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. We go back to, the, you know, to God go back and we fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, clarity. There is clarity of purpose. There is a surrendering. In this case, we see it in his vow, right? When he vows to the Lord. And obviously, it says, when my soul fainted within me, verse 7, I remembered the Lord. Now, what I love about that is because what we're going to be look, looking down the road and we start looking at, um, I think the author of Hebrews this whole chapter 12 for a very purpose and that was to teach about the discipline and the challenges that are there. But part of that, he starts off even in in 12 with a very similar type of exhortation and that is, remember, don't forget. Don't forget. So when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you. Into... So, as a, as a something that we have to have as an understanding is when we study and dig into at a deeper level so to avoid that shallowness in our lives of understanding God's greater purpose and discipline, see, focus, and cling to the promises of God. The second storm, chapter 14, 14. Now I'm going to engage uh, one of you. So if you could read Matthew chapter 14, verses... Oh, and go be well. But the boat by this time boasts, out in fear, but if I do not board if it is you, utter. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked right out. Lord, save me. of his hand, why did you doubt? Okay, I, I want to work backwards. The pinnacle of the whole passage is what was the result? The end result. Okay. So let's go backwards. So here's the next storm. And whats what I'm intrigued about this is that this is not the first storm that the disciples were in. Okay? In fact, if you just go back in your, in your Bible, a couple of chapters, I think, Matthew chapter 8, where, was it 8? No. It 10. In the boat. Yes. So that was the one that just preceded this. Uh, so I know that it... Oh, it's chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 26. with the ste- you Now, When he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest, a great storm arose on the sea, and the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And the disciples woke him up. Lord, save us! We are perishing. But he said to them, "Why are you fearful, O oh, you?" He arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, "Who can this be that even the sea obey?" I want you to catch something like it, because what happens is in the parallel of this one in Mark, there was an astonishment. But in, in the Gospel of Mark, the Holy Spirit qualifies why. They didn't get it, and they didn't understand. They didn't understand the miracle that Jesus just performed with the five thousand. Back to that. I think but here is this storm. Okay, so the Jesus, and I want you to understand. So why why is this illustration? What can we glean from it? Is that this is an illustration of discipline. This is an, a very. Uh, there is so much depth to this little example on the sea that is teaching his disciples and revealing not only things about God, about himself, but also it's revealing much of the lack of faith, or the weakness of the faith of the disciples. And so there, God had a greater purpose. And so let's pick it apart to see if we can... So let's start, first of all, as we see this. So following the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus sent the, he sent the, the crowds away, and then he sent his disciples across the Sea of Galilee in their boat. When the disciples got away from the land, a fierce storm arose and almost sank the ship. Okay, so let's... In your Bible there, you can see there that he just fed the 5,000, right? Prior to that. In fact, they were so astonished and marveled by this, they were ready to make him king. Mark says that in the Gospel of Mark. So they were ready to make him king. So now if you were one of the disciples, all right, you're pretty pumped, right? You just were part of something that was miraculous. Remember... God's purpose for miracles are always to bring him glory, right? So, these disciples are told right at the beginning, immediately after this just happened, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Think of it this way. It's sort of like yesterday, Alec had a little party, birthday party, first, fourth, right? And it's sort of like the first... Now, they had a great party, and it's sort of like, Alec, go to your room. Right, when everyone was like, give him the presents, go to your room. And he's, what? It's, he's so excited. He wanted to be a part of it, right? I feel like these disciples, and I, I, here's my question to you, is that it said immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. What does the made mean to you? Ah, in fact, in fact, last time I was with Jesus, in chapter 8, we had a storm, no problem, we'll wake you up, we'll take, you take care of the storm. You're sending us all out alone, and the crowds are there, we would rather be Jesus. So I just wanted you to catch that. I, I, I don't know that, but it says, look at Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him. So there may have been some reluctance. Uh, yet, what did they do? They obeyed. So the difference in this one is the disciples were not in the storm because they disobeyed. They're in the storm. They see the difference. Absolutely not think for one moment Jesus directing his disciples to get into the boat and to get it a few miles away and I'm going to go pray for a few hours here and then I'm going to walk to you in the middle. It wasn't. It was all purposeful. And the part of the purpose in this that I would see is that The rebuke, a.k.a. the discipline of Jesus to Peter, was to expose his weakness of faith. Oh, you of little faith. Of which in chapter 8, it was the same thing. Exposing that weakness. But, I wanted us to get this contrasting because he was testing and perfecting their faith in that. I want you to catch a couple of other things. So, these disciples, they were in the storm, not because they disobeyed. When we are weak in faith, tell me, what is your state? Spare? Stable? All right. What else? I, it just goes on. I mean, we can just put all kinds of adjectives. You're, they're confused. You're frustrated. I, I think of, you're angry. Uh, it, you know, it, you're, you're disappointed. I mean, it, basically, there's just a lot of things when there's a weakness of faith that take over and become the focal point. And I believe that that's what comes out of this. Because it is a testing for the purpose of perfecting. Also, don't um, don't look over the fact that was not with them. So they were in the storm, they themselves would perceive on their own. So within the storm events, let's kind of go through these fill in the blanks that we've got here to kind of just say that we made a little progress today in the storm events of Jonah and Matthew 14, what did God purpose to reveal? The first one, that God has sovereign control over everything. God has sovereign control over everything. And I'm going to just because of our time here, I'm going to go through all of these and then I'm going to come back next week to start with these, okay, on these passages because God has sovereign control over everything. And some of these passages, what they point to is that there is nothing outside of his sphere of control. Okay, The storms, the circumstances, you have to cling and, and believe this truth completely. It is the very aspect of grip that we talked about earlier. So it points to, again, God's ultimate divine authority and in these passages it talks about Jesus and their teaching as one having authority all authority is given to them in heaven and earth the second one is that god is omniscient He's, god is omniscient i go all the way back to exodus uh, chapter 3 god god say he was aware of he knew of their oppression knows of your situation. He knows every situation. He knew about the disciples' situation. He knew about Jonah's situation. He knew about those disciples' situation in the storm themselves. He knows the things that we need. And those passages just, just bring that home. Third one, God protects His own. Never fail or forsake. God protects His own. And what I loved about this Matthew passage... They were troubled, it said in verse 5. And when the disciples saw him walking in the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them. So God protects his own in just knowing the Master's voice. That situation is that they didn't recognize that in the danger that they were in was the safest place to be. <laughs> Doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> uh, sorry sorry about They're that scratch it. <laughs> <a church>. Right. <laughs> uh, no, it's just it's just a general statement. As believers in Christ, our place in obedience safest place to be. So reconcile that. That boat in that storm is complete protection. He would in fact take courage, it is I. There is Uh, We'll get back to some of these passages next week when we go on. Something for you to kind of look for. God loves His own with a perfect love. God loves His own with a perfect love. What I love about this is where Peter, Peter really loved Jesus. I loved our study of 1st and Second. It's so evident. He loved Jesus. He would, whenever he was with Jesus, he did weird things, right? When he went up to the you know the transfiguration. He gets up to the mountain. and he, He's just like sort of just outflowing with just emotion and excitement. And just says, "Should I go build the tabernacle?" You know, for Moses and Elijah. You know, it's just he does things. And so in this case, Lord, if it's you, let me come out to you. I love that about Peter. But it was his love, is that his love for the Savior? But I want you to catch something. Would you jump out of the boat, throw to Jesus? Okay. I want you to think about, catch this in the phrase. Jesus, in response to that, Peter gets into the boat and out of the boat. He starts to what? Sink. So I'm going I'm to draw a connection, by the way, to that sinking next week when we start to think about well, When you take your eyes off the author and perfect of your faith, if you don't fix your eyes, if you don't fix them on him, you're going down. But I want you, here's the hope for us, okay? Catch this. There is hope. Because the rebuke, in this case, the discipline, Jesus stretches out his hand and he catches him and he says to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I want you to catch something, because this applies to you and I. Was there faith? Because at least he had enough faith to get out of the boat. And he did walk up. He did. <laughs> yes, he was hanging on pretty tight to the Lord's hand. <laughs> I, I just love that. But I wanted you to catch the hope that we have in that. That there was faith that was resonant there. And as believers in Christ, we talked about this Friday, right? Because of that, we have the capacity. It's just the fact that in this rebuke, God knew, and what he was purposeful in doing was to expose that weakness of the faith. Then lastly, how this ends, and we'll pick this up again next week, it's God is the object of true worship. Told me uh, in a similar passage in in Mark, Mark chapter um, six, which is the parallel to this one. That's why I, I want to bring to your attention. Once uh, Jesus was walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, "Be of good cheer, it is I." He went up into the boat with to them, and the wind ceased and greatly amazed themselves beyond measure, and marveled. Verse 52 is important. For they had not understood about the loaves, which just happened, because their heart was hardened. I believe that there was an immediate softening, because what Matthew is saying, he says, Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And so what I wanted you to catch in that, is that ultimately this goal and God's greater purpose in this, in these illustrations in here, is to teach, to expose fact, but also to build up, ultimately, he would be worshiped. Better. In this case, there was a breakdown. There had to be some. In other words, the hardness that was described in Mark led to blindness, right? They didn't get it. But when our heart is contrite and broken, it leads to open eyes. I believe that that statement by the Holy Spirit, you are the Son of God, is a recognition in truth, I think is ultimately God's goal in part of discipline. So, a couple of illustrations today. But these, I believe, are helpful for laying a foundation as we build in understanding discipline, the topic in Scripture is, there is it's rich with the, this teaching of this. I believe that the author of Hebrews was intentional in giving us and devoting a whole chapter for our study of it. And as we study this, I'm always reminded, in, and we'll pick up with these verses, is that we have the scriptures to look back to now, yet these heroes of faith, these examples, Job and others, didn't have. We can read it. We can tie verses together. They didn't. So, Again, an opportunity for us to be taught. That was the lesson. in okay. the, So, kind of a starting point for today. Pick up uh, discipline. I wanted to pick up with these verses, but when discipline defined next week. Okay. Any thoughts, comments? Amen.